All right, and welcome to another episode of Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. Your great uh, UK Lynxland tour continues. So, where exactly are you right now, CK? I am in the. Let's see. I'm on the the east coast of Scotland right now. We are getting ready and prepared for the Trust Golf Women's Scottish Open held at Dumbarney Links Golf Club, which I played for the very first time on Saturday. And I have you played it? I got to tell you, I have never. I, I really, you would never have guessed that this golf course was built a year ago. It opened in 2020. Yeah, I, I've seen the photos. It looks pure. I haven't been over to that part of the world since the pandemic. Oh hit, gosh, so no. of course. I'm I'm di- I'm dying to get there. It looks it looks great. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful. It's it. You know, there there are new courses out there. Like I'm I'm a big fan of the Renaissance um, Club over in, here in Scotland as well that Tom Doak designed. I I, I found it to be great fun. Um, and then I don't know if you ever played Dundonald Links. It's a the, again these are more modern link style courses or links inspired courses but you've got the the issue with like these you know elevated greens where it's like well how exactly are you supposed to trundle something up there you know you got like 195 yards and you're going to hit your you know going to hit a little bit of a low draw six iron to chase it on up there and so you don't really get that opportunity with a lot of these modern day links right. golf courses but Dumbarney it, it it fits the land beautifully um we're in the is it the fourth of five uh the fourth the fourth of fourth the fourth of five <laughs> <laughs> have you been drinking um, i have not i have been playing a lot of golf and <laughs> it is mm. about 10 o'clock at night here so i'm 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 a wee bit tired if you will um but this the trip over it's nice because let's see going from the u.s to france for the evian there was a series of delays uh with the travel because anytime you're flying from the east coast uh to europe you're going to be flying in uh, a red eye and at the time of day that you're tending to fly you're going to encounter a lot of thunderstorms over in the northeast and so i dealt with some shit there got in about eight about eight hours late and then the simple little hop skip and jump from geneva to belfast was a it was it was a shit show. Um, and so the flight that I took from Edinburgh to, or excuse me, Belfast City to Edinburgh was the easiest flight ever. It, it was like 30 minutes of total airtime from <laughs> takeoff to landing. Um, you deserve that. I'm happy for it, you. It was, it was nice. It was nice. Um, but it, it, it's been great. And, and Sunday was Todd's birthday. He turned... 19 and um for his birthday because this was his first time to scotland i took him over to st andrews where we were i was i brought him over to the old course and he did not believe that they were going to have no golf on the old course on a sunday like it's just something that you know it just doesn't make sense like well sunday is like the weekend of it, it surely people are going to be playing golf and it's like no there's there's no golf you, you're just going to sit there you're going to see so many dogs and we drove around we uh went to the st andrews castle and the cathedral which is currently closed 
Um, so like I was like a, I was like a dog trying to hop onto the table to try and get that one piece of toast that's like near the edge of the table, just trying to get a peek into the uh, the cemetery. And and so we were not able to visit uh, Tom Morris's grave, young or old. I mean, I um, would I would say that's more of a suggestion than a rule. I think you should have just hopped the fence. You're outdoors. Come on, it, the people are dead already. How offended are they going to be? Like. I I I hold a lot of traditions in in and I hold a lot of reverence out of respect for those people that are the ones that are inhabiting that land by way of their bones and everything. Um, They're not going to mind if you jump a fence to to pay your respects. I mean, I don't know. I'm I have to say I'm kind of disappointed, Christina. It was in the middle of the day, so if we were out late at night, who knows? We might have hopped the fence. We might have gone over, crossed the Swilkin Bridge with a couple clubs in our hands, and played the uh, played into Death Valley in the middle of the night, and maybe had people watching us. But that's <laughs> where you and I differ, Alan. Call back. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, it is. It's incredible that the the old course is just a public park on Sundays, but that's all it is, and it's it's perfect. That that double fairway, one in eighteen. I mean, I've seen people playing frisbee. There's picnickers, like you said. There's lots of pooches. Uh, it really, to me, distills how golf's place in in Scottish life. That um, you know, a lot of these great courses go right to the middle of town. Like I think about like you know, Cruden Bay. You're just you're playing through the neighborhoods. Those first few holes, and so many others. And it's a central part of life. And at the same time, they don't take themselves too seriously. I mean, it's it's not the be-all, end-all. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll close on Sundays so people can have picnics. Sure. This is like the most famous course in the world, maybe the best, most iconic. And the fact that they shut it down so folks can just kind of hang out and have fun. Like, I mean, I just I absolutely love everything about that. And um, so anyway, it's neat that, that Todd got to see it in that regard. Did you guys walk out a little further so we could see some of the holes? We did not because we also had a tea time at Panmure that um, I should have done a bit more research on in looking at because and that's the thing like anytime I remember whenever uh, like when we played Carnoustie years ago for the Women's Open for the first time. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, just staying in St. Andrews. Like, it's not a big deal. You know, you can rent an Airbnb there and you'll be able to be in St. Andrews this at. And I'm like, yeah, it says it's nine miles, but you have to cross the Tay Bridge. You have to drive like you know, 10 miles east <laughs> or 10 miles west, cross a bridge and drive 10 miles back east. So, yeah, as the crow, as the crow flies, it's nine miles. It's an hour. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, so, it, I've, I've made that mistake a few times, too. It. Those roads are something else. I mean, they, they're barely wide enough for one and a half vehicles. and Yeah, yeah it's, and it's 60 miles an hour. Yeah. That's another thing that's just obscene where you sit there and it's just like, and, you know, whether you're going uphill or downhill, like there, there are just enough of these little, uh, you know, little dips and little little hills that you're just like, yeah, I'm, I don't even feel going comfortable. I don't even feel comfortable going 60 kilometers an hour, let alone 60 miles. And there are just people that are like zipping by you, um, you know, uh, passing you over on the right side. And you're just like, you're welcome to just go, just go. One thing I do enjoy about driving over there is because... I'm sort of ambidextrous. Like when I was in elementary school, I would write with both hands and I'd get to like, I'd start, you know, on the left side and I'd get to basically the middle of my body and I'd switch to my right hand. And I did that for a while. And finally my teacher were like, your handwriting sucks. You have to pick a hand. And 
just to be a contrarian, I went, I went as a lefty, but <laughs> like I throw a ball right-handed, but I, I kick better with my left foot. I shoot a basketball right-handed, but I, I actually like dribbling to my left. So my whole body's confused. Um, but I love driving the stick shift and, and changing the stick shift with my left hand. It's totally comfortable. Whereas most righties, like that's really hard to do. So, um, it's all. It's kind of one of the, the pleasures. I don't even drive stick at home anymore. So when you get over there and you're in your Vauxhall or whatever, and you're shifting in with your left hand, like it's just all part of the fun and zaniness, I guess. For sure, and and that's part of like you know I I look upon the entirety of the season, and obviously this year we were not fortunate enough to be able to play um, in Australia because waving vaguely into the ether um, and. So usually whenever I come to play in Australia, I book a car so that I can do the left side drive. And most of their cars really are still are, are in automatic. So you just get comfortable getting on that left side drive. And then anytime I'm in the UK, you know, I'm just like, you know, just give me, you know, a bumblebee, a sewing machine, um, you know, a shoe box, what have you, and give me stick. And it's just so much fun. Like uh, last week we had a, gosh, what was it? It was a Vauxhall Corsa, I think. Um, and then this week we we have a Skoda uh, like, Fabia. The names are classic. Who comes the names are incredible. Names? I know. They're incredible. So um, and so like this week, and it's crazy because it's like, this is one of those stick shifts that has like a sixth gear and um, it's kind of slow coming out of first and between it being slow coming out of first combined with hill starts, it is a, uh, it, it's safe to call it a terrifying experience. But <laughs> once you get to third gear, you can go 60 miles an hour in third gear and it, 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 it's, it's just, it's nutty. Like there's more, there, there, there's more in the throttle with third gear than there is in first. And, That's funny. um, we had Todd, uh, Todd drove for his birthday. He drove us around and I was like, ah, oh. I'm like, okay, because we, we both were talking about like going 60 and third and it's just such a smooth ride. It's not like screaming mm -hmm. at us. Like you're at like 27 R, uh, 2700 RPM. And I was like, just for shits and gigs, like as long as it's safe, like next time we're stopped, can you just throw it into first and just floor it and see what happens? And it was just like the, it was the slowest start. But we were able, he did redline it, No, not going to lie, um, which was super fun. But he got, first gear got up to 34 miles an hour. It was, it's just, it's like the strangest vehicle. We're, we're just having so much fun though. And, and being in these tiny cars, um, which I've come to find, I can actually pack a lot better now. Um, you know, oh, so you, it's you an just, art form. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, it's not Tetris. It's not Jenga. I don't, I don't even know what you, Lincoln logs basically. And, um, that's always a frustration uh, is you book like they're, I've been down this road a couple times and I know that the cars are small. So I will call Hertz or whomever and say, give me like a van. I want an actual van, like a van with a sliding door, like a, a, a van. And you get there and it's a station wagon. You got four dudes yeah. and travel bags and suitcases. Walk into the office. I requested a van. Oh, sir, well, this is a van. No, this is a fucking station wagon. It's yeah. not a van. <laughs> and it's not even that big a station wagon. It's like a midsize wagon. And uh, we, um, Last time I did a big trip through Scotland, that, that happened to us. We wound up stashing our travel bags like at an airport hotel. And even so, the, the, whoever was in the, in the back seat, there was always suitcases or golf clubs. It was just, I mean, I don't know. I guess, you know, they, they don't have, a, they don't have a, a robust gasoline and, and oil and gas industry like in the U.S. And the prices are high for petrol. 
And so they, they want smaller cars that I guess get better mileage. But, man, it is hard to find the right size <laughs> ride. But we well, And that's where the problem lies in, in having four people in a car. I'm like two people is perfect. Two people, you can toss as much crap as you want into the back of the sewing machine and they just wind it up and go. And actually reminds me of a time when, uh, the, when I won in Sicily. Uh, Duncan and I were there. We were driving, you know, over like to, like into Mount, Mount Etna, basically, which is where the golf course um, was constructed, like at the base of Mount Etna. And we were, gosh, it was um, Stacy Keatings and and her now husband Darren. They were in a smart car, and they were like, we had hills, and so it was the two of them, her golf bag, both of their suitcases, because <laughs> she's Australian, he's English. So they, you know, they were traveling. They were, they were traveling. And so Duncan and I had a smaller car. It was, you know, a little bit larger than like a small Mini Cooper. And we had a decent engine, though. So we're like going up these hills and we, we drive by them because they're in a literal smart car. And the thing is like struggling to go up the hill. And we're going like, you know, say 75, 80 kilometers an hour up these hill. And then we crest and then you have to go back down this hill. And, you know, as we're coming down towards, you know, just past the midway point of this hill, you see Stacy and Darren's car just scream. It's like someone threw a marble down a mountain. It's just it gravity. Was terrifying to watch. And Darren had his legs wrapped around the golf bag. And I was just like, I was like, I should have asked if I could take some of your stuff because this is just obscene. That's funny. So this is an interesting thing for folks who haven't been lucky enough to travel over there. How would you describe the difference between Scotland and Ireland? Not only the golf courses, but the culturally and all that. I'm, I have my own thoughts. I want to hear yours first. Well, um, you know, when we landed here in Edinburgh, Todd actually asked me the same thing. So I would say, and it's not in a bad way or anything like that. Like the Scottish are just, I feel like they're a harder people or maybe a heartier people, you know, a yeah. hardier people. And they obviously rightfully so are very proud people because they, they invented golf. And I would, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I feel like. Ireland, from the parts that I've been, Ireland and Northern Ireland, the landscape is a bit more um, dramatic by way of, say, King, uh, Game of Thronesy. You've got these really tall cliffs, um, you know, with the, the the cold, cold sea just kind of coming in at you, and and I feel like. Um, in Scotland, you get more beaches. I feel like mm -hmm. the land is is less dramatic. You, I feel like you get more foothills as opposed to like mountaintops and cliffs that 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 fall down several hundred feet and things like that. Um, I I again, it's not a dig. I just feel like for me. And I feel like this is terrible of me to say, and hopefully no one comes after me because <laughs> I still absolutely love Scottish food. I feel like there's a bit more flavor in Irish food than there is in <laughs> Scottish yeah. food. I feel like they use salt a bit more or they season it at, at different times. I prefer an Ulster fry over a full Scottish breakfast. Um, you know, there's not much of a difference, but... 
Um, and I, it could also just be from where I, you know, was consuming said food. Um, and you know, maybe next episode I'll be like, dude, I was so wrong. I just, I must've gone to just, you know, the one, the one place I that, know, you, you know, you've been there a lot. You've been, you've taken a there, bunch of trips. Yeah. So this is a pretty large yeah. sample size. Let's be, let's be honest. Yeah. I prefer Irish sausages, the link sausage in Ireland over Scotland. Scotland, I do prefer their square sausage. Um, can, hold on. Can we talk about the bacon over there? Like, it's basically a piece of ham. Like, it's well, – how, how can they get away with even calling it bacon? There's nothing crispy about it. You can't hold it in your fingers. It flops around. Like, that, that is among the most offensive things, is their version of bacon. Alan, I think your American is showing because I run into this problem a lot where, you know, if I'm if I'm with, um, uh, say, Americans and we're in England and someone's like, oh, my God, can't people just speak English? And I'm like, where are the ones with the accent? As it turns out, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the UK came up with bacon before we did in America. I'm OK, sure. But we perfected it behind it. Yeah. OK. They may have been doing it longer, but we do it better. Let's just, let's just, we do I mean, it differently. We use different cuts. We know, use different cuts. Exactly. Like there's yeah. this, I think ours is back bacon and theirs is shoulder yeah, there's bacon a, or something like that. I don't there's know. There's a slice of ham. It's a slice of ham flops around on your plate. But um, yeah, I agree with everything you said for the most part. It's interesting because a lot of, you know, the Irish lynx courses are tend to be on really dramatic terrain. Like if you think about mm-hmm. obviously Ballybunion, I mean, La Hinch has is, is got some great oh, stuff. Don't going say on. La Hinch. I, I'm still so mad. I haven't been there. Okay. Well, La Hinch is incredible. It's probably my favorite course there, but don't worry about it. Um, you know, the, the towering dunes at Royal Portrush, obviously we're talking about the Irish Island, including Northern Ireland. Um, but if you think about like, uh, the old course, you know, that, that great Sam Steed quote when the first time he showed up there, he's like, Oh, it looks like there's an old golf course that used to be here. He's like, no, Mr. Sneed, <laughs> that's the old course. You know, it's just, it's like this lunar landscape. It's very flat. And as you get closer to the green, it gets increasingly interesting. But, you know, it's uh, a lot of the Scottish courses, you know, I think about like Royal Troon, um, you know, Western Gales, you go on down the list. I mean, they're on pretty flat pieces of earth. The, the interest is architectural and every and the turf and everything else, but... I feel like the just the, the the movement of the land on the Irish courses is, is more dramatic. So, um, agreed was, entirely. Which yeah. I find funny because I find that the Irish people that I've encountered in so far, um, their courses are more dramatic. As people, they're more subtle, and it's the other way around in Scotland. Which, <laughs> and, and, but trust me, like I. It's it's again. It's hard to pick which you prefer. I love them both, and one of the things I love about Scottish links is the fact that there's so much subtlety, and everything is so understated. And it's like sometimes you have to step back, and you know you experience it a lot, especially if you're using a uh, a pole cart or you know they call it a trolley here in the British Isles. Uh, Duncan always calls it. Oh, you got your Mister Mister. You got Mister Rolly with you, and I'm like Mister Rolly. He's like yeah, Thomas Rolly, T Rolly. And um, when you're pulling along that little trolley, you really get a sense of like the the moguls and the fairways and things like that. And it's, you know, it's just I think it's just beautifully understated. And um, you have to really have your eyes and your mind open to 
truly create these shots. You're not forced into anything. You just have to be able to sort of expand your vision and almost look upon um, Scottish Links as a, uh, you know, a magic eye book where you have to actually, you know, the it's there. It's just not you know, glaring in your face, you know, there's a bunker surrounded by rough because we're in America and, you know, the only way to make a course tougher is either make it longer or make the fairways narrower, which is, you know, I don't just, yeah. And yeah. it's just, I love the subtlety of it, but the, the, the Scottish people there, they're, they're up front. They're beautiful. They're kind. Um, but they, they're, the they're Scots, harder people. They are. Oh, they're ball busters for sure. I yes. Mean, um, you, the Irish, it's more with a wink, but the Scots love to get in your business. And I mean, I, of course I love that cause I, I dish it out too, but I remember that my first trip to Scotland, I can't remember if I've told the story in this podcast at this point, but it, it, it never fails to make me laugh. Um, with a bunch of American dudes and one of them walks into the clubhouse and he's wearing his hat. And the bartender, like very sternly, says, "Sir, over here, we remove our hats in the clubhouse." So sheepishly, the guy takes off, and he's totally bald. And the guy's like, "Never mind, put it back on." Oh <laughs> it was <my> God. so <laughs> great. <laughs> it just it like knifed him twice. Oh, that's uh, brilliant! That was, I know it's so funny, but uh, that is brilliant. Anyway, it's, it's yeah, as you say. I mean, if all, all this said, I mean, I could play golf in Scotland the rest of my life quite happily. So it's all good. And um, Ireland. And yeah, and Ireland too. I'm, I'm either way. It's like it's it's uh, it's a win win. But so let's talk about the women's Olympic competition, which just ended um, basically last night. And uh, by now, everyone knows that that Nellie Corder has continued her golden play. And of course, there was a, a great race for the silver and the bronze and um, some. Some couple of people who didn't make it onto the the podium were still put a little charge into the whole thing. So, uh, I mean, we got to start with Nelly because world number one wins her first major, wins a gold medal, is clearly now the dominant player in the sport, and someone that you know, famous family, the most graceful, naturally beautiful golf swing you could ever conjure. She's obviously telegenic, like just a perfect ambassador for for women's golf um, even though it's funny because i don't think she's the most charismatic personality she's so low-key and that's part of her charm too is she's like doesn't seem too affected by any of this but um you know like where jessica her sister is, is obviously an extrovert and, and i think quite hilarious you know nelly it's more she's more inward but um anyway we're happy to have her she's gonna she, i think she's gonna have a, a great run at the top um and the gold medals is a huge part of that so Tell me about your your thoughts on how it all played out. Well, so I love the fact as well that as a number one player, I mean, obviously, you know, we have, you know, Inby Park, Lorena Ochoa, um, you know, uh, Lydia Ko, Jin Young Ko. We have, we've had so many amazing um, women that were young and number one in the world. And I feel like it's a little different with Nellie because good or bad, right or wrong, like she can appeal to a wider variety of people, um, you know, as, as number one, like you said, she's very telegenic. She's, you know, damn near six foot tall, um, you know, and, and, and like you said, she's, she is very introspective and yet still shares, you know, she is, um, it's, it's, her golf swing is very similar to, how I view her in that is she's filled with grace. She is gentle yet strong. 
Um, so I think it's amazing. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have to have you commentate for me because how in the hell, what happened in the playoff? Cause <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was traveling and I was on social media trying to figure out what in the hell happened. All I knew was that, um, Iname birdied 17, bogeyed 18. I don't even know how she bogeyed 18. And then they said there was going into a playoff and then it was like, congratulations to Lydia Cohen winning bronze. I'm like, okay, my, I mean, yeah. Did uh, she, she kinda, lose with a birdie? What happened? Uh, she made. I mean, Lydia made bogey, and it was it was kind of a not a, a great end. It was a super thrilling day, but um, yeah. La- last thing about Nelly is, you know, I played with her um, this year at the Kia Classic Pro Am, mm-hmm. and for nine holes, and that that was super fun. And she's a great little trash talker, you know, which I think comes from being in a family of athletes and hyper competitive, and and having the sister that she does, and. She was, you know, as you know, programs can be slow. So we had a few backups on the tee and she's having fun on social media and she's playing hip hop and she's just basically like a normal, you know, whatever, 23 year old kid uh, with obviously a a tremendous gift. And so I think she's really equipped for a long run at the top. I mean, she's sort of been bred for this in some ways. Right. And she has this incredible support group. And some of the other players you mentioned, like, you know, Lorena always was sort of uneasy in the spotlight. She was such a, a sweet, down-to-earth, kind of simple, traditional, you know, daughter of Mexico. And I remember I remember following her at a tournament in Mexico City, and she walked the first tee holding hands with her dad. And he did, like, the little sign of the cross on her forehead before she teed off. I mean, it was, it was incredibly sweet. Um, but, you know, she, she was... I don't, she didn't really care about the fame and the celebrity. In fact, I think she didn't want any of it. And unfortunately, if you're going to be number one in the world, that just, that's part of the deal. And mm-hmm. you know, Yanni's saying like, you can go down the list, like some, and it's not just on the women's side. I mean, if you look at, you know, Fred couples was the same way. He got the number one, mm-hmm. he hated it and he, he kind of retracted. Um, it's, it's a huge spotlight and it's a big burden and not every player can deal with it. And, but um, I think Nelly can, and I think she's going to keep going in her sort of, unaffected way and i like what you said their golf swing is a metaphor like for a lot of people the way they swing the club tells you a lot about them and you just watching her swing it makes it gives me like this relaxed pleasant feeling (laughs) i think that's kind of that's kind of her vibe but um yeah i mean it was obviously you'd rather you'd rather win a gold or a silver but for lydia to, to get her second medal and this has kind of been a comeback year for her, and she was quite emotional, talking, dedicating the the bronze to her mom, and and all of that. It was uh, it was it was it was pretty sweet, and for for a Japanese player to to get on the podium as well as the host country. I mean, it was it's probably the best case scenario for the sport. Um, and um, and then Aditi, the 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 young Indian golfer who put on a a putting exhibition like clinic. It was it was ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's one of the greatest putting performances ever. Like I saw her strokes gained was thirteen plus thirteen point oh two. Alive! It's, you can't even can't even process that. And um, and even though she didn't she didn't get a medal, like it, it was riveting to watch. And uh, I don't know if you followed on social media, like the prime minister and all these dignitaries from India were all excited about it. And you know that's for those. There's obviously plenty of naysayers about Olympic golf, but um, if she, you know, can you imagine that the entire political establishment of India would be would be that excited if she, you know, she finished top five at the, um, the you know, 
women's PGA championship. I mean, it'd be a great accomplishment, but they probably, they don't even know, really know what, what it means. Um, but to almost win a medal, everyone knows what that means. It's just a cultural Absolutely. universal. And, um, so that, that energy around the whole, the whole thing was great. And, um, you know, I mean the, the big difference between the men's and the women's embrace of the Olympics is that the world number one showed up for the women and got it done. And that was awesome. And it just continues my admiration for the way that all the female golfers of the world have, have embraced the Olympics and, and recognized the, the magnitude of the opportunity. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was great stuff. And I was, uh, just put to me, it put a whole exclamation point on what's been an, an awesome summer for, for women's golf really. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Aditi put on a fucking clinic and the fact that she stumbled into the game by accident in essence you know like just randomly was introduced to the game is 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 something i think is so incredible and yeah i mean i've played with her before and her putting stroke is just it's like butter it, it is it's like ghee it's like ghee, <laughs> it's girl. clarified like, butter it is, yeah. it is exactly <laughs> it is incredible oh. and i love knowing that because she has an extreme amount of talent and i'm glad to see that at i mean to an extent the world's truly largest stage um obviously it's a limited field but at at the largest stage by way of how the overall uh sports fan would look upon it she was able to um really showcase some of her talents and and yes like obviously you know it would have been amazing for her and all of india especially with everything going on with with uh, you know this Delta variant and everything to to come up with a medal in golf, but God, I mean, Paris isn't that far away either, you know. And I know, and I'd, I'd love to see where her game, um, how it transcends from this point on. Well, and so I covered. I'd never heard her name until the Rio Games, and um, and she had a nice showing there as well, mm -hmm. and um, got to chit chat with her a little bit. Totally delightful personality, and it was interesting to see. You know, she was just in awe of everything and everyone at that point. But you could tell she, there was a different confidence and sense of belonging. And, um, you know, I I never asked for autographs. That was, like, so tacky. I never asked players for anything because I don't want to cross that line. Even for people, charity things, I get hit up all the time. I'm like, I just, I'm not a fan. I don't want to act like a fan. I'm not going to ask anyone for anything. I never have. But in, in Rio... I love the hats so much because mm -hmm. they were so colorful and like the huge emblems. And so I asked when, when the women's competition was over, um, cause I was, I was, it kind of grew on me as the games went by. I was like, eh, when the men's thing was over, I was like, yeah, I, I like the hats, but I don't really, I don't want to ask anyone. But by the time the women's competition was over, I was so into it. So I, I got like a half dozen hats and one of them was Aditi's uh, India hat. Cause it was cool. It had the big flag and, and that nice, nice blue. And so, I have I have a whole little stash, and I have one of Lydia's New Zealand hats. You know, the, with the the fern and yes, um, nice. I wear that one a lot. And it's funny because it gets a lot of attention when if I'm on Carmel Beach, like uh, wearing that. Uh, people either think it's like all blacks, or they know it's New Zealand. Like that hat gets more commentary. Than but I have um, Maria Virchanova gave me one from the you know the Soviet Union that was so cool. It looks like it was recovered from the ashes of the Chernobyl. I mean, it's just like so retro. And uh, 
Sandra Gall gave me one from Germany. It's got like the big eagle. I mean, it's like totally intimidating. Uh, and a few others that I occasionally wear them because they're just fun. But um, by far, the the, all, the New Zealand one gets the most uh, recognition, which I think is funny. And I was happy to see Lydia rocking that again. I mean, it's just such a great look in general. I mean, just and I enjoyed it in the men's competition, too. Just the, the, the absence of clutter and corporate logos and... Like just 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 to see like the American dudes and just the simple USA was was cool and that that to me is is part of the fun is the even though the the men's clothing was often kind of ugly I thought I thought the women it was way different uh, they they look they look great and I enjoyed all the um, they just wore it better and I think maybe they had better selection or whatever but um, the flags the hats all of it to me is just part of the fun no doubt no doubt and we've only got what three years till the next one. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, first first it was Zika, which every athlete in the world showed up for the games despite Zika, except for male golfers. So mm-hmm. it's like, mm, it was a little sus, but uh, whatever. We survived that. <laughs> then, of course, COVID. And in spite of everything, we had we had a great men's and women's competition. And I Americans think that, swept the gold. Yeah, exactly. I think that... Paris will be a turning point because who doesn't want to go to Paris? Like, even if Dustin Johnson doesn't want to play, I'm sure Pauline is like, we're going to Paris. And, um, you know, I think you'll get some of the guys who've been on the fence and the word of mouth continues to build, you know, with Rory and JT talking about what a transformational experience it was. I, I that filters down. Um, and, um, uh, so I think, I think folks will turn out for Paris. We know the best women will be there cause they're always there. If you can get the top guys, and then obviously everyone's going to come strong for LA. Like, why wouldn't you go to the the games in LA? It couldn't be any simpler. So, hopefully, we have a couple blockbusters in front of us with all the best players, and and golf really kind of it becomes even more firmly entrenched because it's still it's still a little tenuous. I mean, if you're if you're in, on the IOC and you're not a fan of golf, you, you can say, listen, man, we can't even get the number one player in the world to show up. Like, um. Like there's a case for voting it out, but yeah, it's still on probation right now. It's still on probation. Yeah, I, I was a member of uh, USA Golf and I was part of the board, so you know it's it's there. It's not guaranteed to stay by any means, by any means. Yeah, I think you know Nelly winning the gold's big. When the number one player in the world wins the gold, it just turns up the volume. And if Paris turns out to be a great show, I think I think golf is pretty is on solid ground, but. You know who knows what, what what airborne pathogen is coming our way in three years? Like let's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. But uh, anyway, all right, that, that that's enough Olympics. So what else is going on? Let, let's let's tee up the the women's Scottish Open. Like how you're feeling about your game and seem to like the course a lot. But um, where are you personally right now in this this long Euro- European adventure? Well. I guess the best way for me to put it is I've been building up momentum. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, you know, I've been working on just getting to a point where I can compress the ball a little better. And, you know, I've been working on the swing where it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm getting under plane and I'm getting under plane. I was talking with Todd and he's like, well, he's like, you just got to stop pulling with your hands. I'm like, sweetheart, I, I, I promise you, you, you want to see pulling of the hands. I will show you what I did a few years ago. My hands are so passive right now. And that's what I feel like is kind of, you know, pulling me away from where I want to be in terms of being on plane and this and that. And it was just like one of these things where I was like, 
like on the driving range a couple of uh when we were in northern ireland like it was one of those things where it's like it's not that i was pulling with my hands i was dropping my trail shoulder on the start of the downswing as opposed to getting it high in the backswing and then basically turning and rotating it in the downswing it was like it was going up and then it was coming down and it was so it was kind of crunching on like the back of like say my ql um on the right hand side and when you're you're doing that you know you're 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 reducing the amount of space your space you're getting you know like not uh, not ideal spinal uh, flexion and rotation and you all of a painful. sudden yeah your hands get well no it's not painful the only <laughs> thing that hurts is what the ball ends up doing and your ego suffers a blow but physically it's not a big deal um <laughs> But then that's where I was getting under plane. It was one of those things where it was just like, okay, we've got to figure out where what the cause is. We know what the effect is, but we need to know where the true original cause is. And then that's been helping me to be able to stay on top of the ball a little bit more, which has allowed me to compress the ball a little bit more. And between the rounds over in Northern Ireland and, and here before here in Scotland before teeing it up in the tournament, like I I've been able to start compressing the ball a little bit more, which is great because you need to have um you know, various trajectories. You need to have various spin rates with the same clubs. You need to be able to, you know, play it high, play it low, use the ground, fly it in the air. Um, so I, I actually feel like I'm in a better place now. I, I say this all the time, but, it, you know, like Todd and I, we always talk about, you know, all these little videos we watch on YouTube of, you know, like old Tiger when he was still working with Butch <laughs> and talking about how, you know, the number one player in the world, he was the best ball striker in the world felt like it took him six months for a certain move to come into form and this and that and you know how tiger would always talk about trusting the process and so this is one of those things where it's like okay we're just building up to when we're going to have a, a late season run and there's no reason why the late season run can't start in august and yes i'm still working with my um arm lock putter with my wrist lock grip i've now gotten to the point though where because it's like Again, so much of my golf is feel based and 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 that sense of artistry, and I feel like I've been sort of, you know, locked into this, you know, square stance, square knee, square hip, square shoulder, square elbows, this, that, whatever. Like, sounds Jack exhausting. Nicholas, well, Jack Nicholas never did shit like that. Arnold Palmer didn't do shit like that. Like, I always putted well when I was when I was a little bit open, not a little bit. I was open with my feet and my shoulders, and then. I would basically push the putter down the line. And I started doing that just because of the way that, you know, I'm left eye dominant, the way that my eyes sit, um, you know, it's, I, I, I've, I've been working with Dr. Ryan Caserta on, on, you know, our fixation duration. And, and it's about getting that quiet eye, quiet mind and everything. And it's just like, when I see straight, it looks like I'm aiming left. So I just sort of open everything up again and it just sort of just open stuff up. And I, I've been like, actually, truly hitting the lines I want to be hitting nice. my putts on. And, and it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's again, feeling more artistic as opposed to like meat more. I'm a robot. And so everything has to be square. And I'm like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure my left titty is bigger than my right titty anyway. So that's going to mess with all kinds of shit as it is. So it's just, it's one of those, because it's like, I look down and I'm like, well, a lot of things are square, but is my rib cage weird? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's one of my titties is bigger. I did not see that coming, but um, 
I mean, it's an, it's, it's an issue. <laughs> I mean, if you can find a way to speak to women about things like this without sounding like Andrew Cuomo, you will be able to find out that you're not going to have a lot of symmetry. If you spend yeah. time truly looking at someone's face, they're not. There's a reason why models have so much symmetry. Is because that's why they're it's models. Rare. Is because yeah, yeah it is rare. Um, um, you know, like Tom Cruise, like he's got like three front teeth or something like that, or five or whatever it is, or his his his, his teeth are you know kinked off to the side. You don't realize that he. He's still looked upon as one of the most gorgeous men in the world. But when you actually sit and look at his teeth, you're like, first of all, them teeth he had before Top Gun, like Christ alive. And then secondly, after they did that, like this is what they did. Like <laughs> symmetry is, is uh, there's a time and a place for it in a lot of ways. But my golden ratio is, 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 is very different. And now yeah. I feel like I can stop swinging and I can fucking play. Which is that, so exciting. Well, that's huge. That that's all you want. And you said something a minute ago that is like so key, is when when you compress a ball and you have a solid strike, the wind doesn't touch the ball. Like it'll just tear through the wind. And when when the strike is just not quite as good, that's when your ball gets tossed all around. And well, that's when it looks like the the lawnmower came by and ate it up before you took a swipe at it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so different. Like. I've I've learned this playing in band and a lot. Like, you don't have to overthink the wind. You just have to hit it flush, and then your ball's going to go more or less where you want it to. <laughs> but, Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. As well as looking at, and, and again, like a lot of the rounds I played in um, on this trip have been with the prevailing wind, which has been great because you get to see the way the course was meant to be played by way of utilizing and using the land and you know, like, okay, the wind is, you know, more or less a seven, seven thirty wind. So that means that the ball is going to be, you know, falling a little bit to the right. And, oh yeah, if you actually look, you know, there is that, you know, like the, the, there's that camber in the fairway there that's going to cause the ball to, to trickle off and, you know, or you can, you know, and, and another thing is I'm, I'm doing a lot better. I've never been, I, I'm not a fighter. I'll, I'll argue, I'll debate. Um, I'm not a fighter though. And, I don't like holding things up against the wind. Like I like using the land. I like mm -hmm. using the wind and, and being non-resistant and just being like, you can still snuggle it up close if you know where to land it and how to yeah. play it. Um, and just being back on fescue grass. I mean, there's nothing. My, fescue is my favorite strain of grass. It's the best. It's tough though. If you have, if you have a wind coming hard out of the right and, and you, you play a draw and you ride the wind, that your ball comes in so hot. I mean, if you can cut it up into the wind, like, that's... Better club up by, like, two clubs then. Shit. <laughs> no, I know. That, that's always one I struggle with. You just got to land it on the front and let it run. But um, mm -hmm. it is it is so fun when you pull it off. Um, well, this I'm excited that you're excited. I mean, that's big. I can't wait to watch this tournament. I'm very I'm keenly interested in, in Dumbarney. Like, it is spectacular. Just, it's just it so cool. It's so that, pretty. There's new links courses being built, like you know, you thought of oh, Kings Barnes and um, um, Castle Stewart. I mean, those are A plus plus courses, and you know they were ten years ago. But now you have Dunbarney, you have uh, St. Patrick's Links that um, the Doak just built up in, in northwestern Ireland, and Hogshead's not really links, but it, it looks like a pretty cool spot. I mean, you. Kind of, it's like the New York skyline. You feel like oh, every building's already been built, and every time I go there, there's a new skyscraper. And we're mm -hmm. kind of like that with Lynx courses. Like, wow, like they're still coming online. How cool is that? And it's all, all the more reason to get over there and, and just play some golf. So, absolutely. Um, 
anyway, well, I can't wait to watch. And um, as always, I'll be pulling hard for you, CK. So um, why don't you get some sleep and you can release our listeners. I would love that. <laughs> I will. I got to I got to pull another uh, another full send segment for this episode. And yes, I am going to harp on Bryson again. And I do feel bad. But I mean, honey, you got to start yelling for and you got to get to a point where you stop being so defensive. Like you, you can't you can't sit there and say that you do when there's footage of you not. Or that's the most pathological thing. I say very, very faintly bark for right when it is less than a second away from hitting the ground. Like, well, I know. No. And, and he's like, oh, well, my bar, my ball goes so far. They won't hear me. Well, what happens is you got you, big lungs. <laughs> that's right. But also when, when you yell for, then other people will yell on the tee box yes. and the marshal and whatever. And so they're, and, they're, and down the fairway as well. Yeah. You hear it. You, you hear, hear it. it when when uh, when people yell for it travels. It travels. I mean, it's it's, it's sort of a viral thing to to use another uh, Bryson issue. Like when you yell for, other people yell for, and it it just it gets spread from person to person, much like the coronavirus. And um, <laughs> that's a whole other kettle of fish with Bryson. Which yeah, he's not and... yelling for because he wants to leave that for people that actually fucking need it. Like it's just so. It's right. just mic drop. I, I, That's I, it. Don't say anything else. No, you're done. That's it. That was a perfect ender. Well, <laughs> thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast. Tell all your friends. Give us a rating. Any thoughts and opinions you may have, please share with us on social media. I am at the Christina Kim on all social media platforms. Alan is at Alan Shipnuck on Twitter and on Instagram. And so I just want to say thank you guys for listening. I'm sorry if this episode was maybe a little bit more chilled out. It's a quarter to 11 here in the evening, um, which again, Alan thank you and i'm sorry because my brain was so not worky work that i told him let's film at 4 30 your time and by your time i meant my normal time which is the east coast of the u.s so we're actually filming uh it's about 2 45 where alan is right now so thank you i'm sorry <laughs> that work. monty had to go on a shorter walk but uh, on behalf <laughs> of live. everyone at the fire pit collective i just want to say three, thank you for listening to another episode of full send with christina kim and alan shipnuck that's a wrap bye